Welcome back to another episode of Confessions from the Sidelines, and I'm your host, Sarah L. Cowart. You know this podcast would not be possible if it wasn't for our sponsors, and y'all know how much I love CB Supplements. CB Supplements is a multi-collagen protein powder, meaning it contains all five types of collagen from four animal sources. Not to mention, it's the first and only multi-collagen protein powder NSF certified for sport and supported by Dr. Kate. One thing I love about CB Supplements is that it comes in unflavored and in three delicious flavors, chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry lemonade. You won't find a cleaner multi-collagen supplement out there. Head on over to cbsupplements.com and grab yours today. Be sure to enter the code Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at checkout for $5 off. Y'all also know I love Chegg Study. It is one of my new favorite resources for students. Have you ever had those moments after class or after school when you sit down to do your homework or study for that test and you completely forget everything the professor or your teacher talked about in class? Well, I know exactly how you feel. I wish when I was a student, we had access to Chegg Study and Chegg Study Pack. Chegg Study is 24-7 homework help. From algebra to calculus to physics to chemistry, you will have expert help. And their monthly subscriptions start only at $14.95. Plus, Chegg has been so kind to give all of our listeners $5 off their first month subscription. Head on over to Chegg.com study and enter the code STUDY5. S-T-U-D-Y, the number five, for $5 off your first month subscription. Now, let's dive into today's episode. I am so thrilled to share my conversation with Sid Vrame with you today. Y'all know I have been a huge sports fan my entire life, and growing up in Georgia, the Atlanta Braves made the top of that list. Sid is a former Major League Baseball player, and he is best remembered for his game-winning run scored in the 1992 National League Championship Series that sent the Braves to the World Series. And don't worry, we definitely cover that in today's episode. Here is my conversation with Sid. Sid, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much, sir. Great to be with you. Yeah. So, you know, as everybody hops on and starts listening and they hear, you know, I want to go ahead and let you know, as someone who grew up in South Georgia in the early 90s, you know, this is truly an honor to be able to chat with you and have this conversation. Well, thanks, sir. I mean, it was, uh, I mean, you needed, you were probably about two or three years old whenever, you know, I was there. But at the same time, I thank you for uh, letting me know that you still remember a little bit. Yeah, well, I appreciate you thinking I was that young. <laughs> <laughs> during that time. But, you know, about around the time that you were playing for the Braves, and we'll get into a little bit more of that as we continue our conversation, I was probably around eight or nine years old. Okay. And so we made plenty of trips to Atlanta. And, you know, as as I think about your time playing there, there was actually one game. I came to the game with a sign that said, Sid, hit one to this kid. Did I? No, you didn't. <laughs> I was so bummed. <laughs> But that was just something that was a truly amazing experience to be there to, you know, watch you play. But one of those things is it didn't happen as quick as you thought it was going to playing in the major leagues. Oh, no, absolutely not. I mean, I, uh, you know, again, I got signed 1981 by the Los Angeles Dodgers in the second round of the June draft. And that was a long time ago. (laughs) I mean, good grief. I mean, we're looking at what, 40 years? Yeah. 40 years now. Is that right? That's, um, I still think 1990 is 10 years ago. So, you know, that's, that's probably about right. 
but I mean, at the same time, I mean, you know, moved up, moved up through the organization very, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, but got in, went to trip away and kind of stalled out there. And, um, I was basically used as a, um, an insurance policy when somebody went on a disabled list, I'd go up and when they got healthy, I'd come back down and, and, uh, you know, so it was, it was a very, very difficult run for somebody that thought at one point in time that I was ready to play in the major leagues. But, you know, I, I quickly learned as I've shared, I mean, I, I quickly learned it. Uh, I wasn't going to play for the Dodgers because, uh, you know, Tommy Lasorda, the manager for the Dodgers, yeah. like Greg Brock that was there at the time and Al Campaign is a general manager like Franklin Stubbs that was coming right behind me. So I knew humanly speaking that I wasn't going to be playing for the Los Angeles Dodgers. So it did take a little bit. And actually it got to the place in 1985 when I started with them. And then they sent me back down to triple A that I was, I was that close to quitting. If it wouldn't have been for my beautiful wife to challenge me to, you know, stay in there for one, one more season. Um, I might, I might have been going home. So I'm, I'm thankful that she challenged me and I took the challenge and, and everything started to work out. Yeah. And, you know, I think I've heard your story a little bit about how, you know, out of high school, you had this vision of, Hey, I'm going to be drafted right out of high school. Well, I mean, and again, I, I want you to know that, I mean, that really, that really didn't happen until my senior year. I didn't, I wasn't really expecting anything professionally until my senior year when a scout came to me and said, you know, you have a chance to be drafted. And, and you know, I love to play the game of baseball. I love basketball as well. But, uh, you know, I really had no ambitions whatsoever as far as playing any place, you know, after after high school uh, other, until that scout told me that there might be a chance. And then my focus kind of changed and, and uh, was looking forward to after high school being drafted. You know, and I think a lot of times our student athletes now, you know, there are students who think, oh, I have to make this decision my freshman or sophomore year, but it's really not the case. Like, I mean, you could still be thinking about what does life look like after high school sports wise, even going into your junior or senior year. Yeah, I mean, again, again, that's the way things have changed so dramatically right now. I mean, you know, the college coaches used to be that they wouldn't go out and get get nothing but seniors now college coaches would go out there and, and find somebody at, in the ninth grade and, and have them sign a letter of intent to go to their school. And, and uh, you know, it, it's, it's really put a lot of pressure on these kids, number one, to play one sport, which I disagree with, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, and, and number two, just for the fact that, you know, the parents, I mean, and the kids have to make such a huge decision so early in life that uh, it doesn't really need to be that way. And, and, and again, just understand this, there are so many kids from the ninth grade to the 12th grade that just, they stop, they plateau. Yeah. I mean, and then, and now the, now the coach is sitting there saying, well, shoot, you know, I can't bring you. I mean, you, you know, and so they have to find a way not to bring them or, or the, the other kid or the student gets to the place where he really expands and he gets better offers from different places. And mm-hmm. he breaks, he breaks off with the team that he originally wanted to go or said he was going to go with. So, yeah. I mean, if, if, you know, again, if they would just wait till 11th or 12th year, uh, year, but I mean, everybody is trying to get, get in there as quick as they possibly can. Yeah. And you know, with you, like you were hearing that information, like your senior year and you're thinking I'm going to get drafted. Like, I'm not going to play in college. I'm I'm heading to the big leagues. I did. I mean, uh, 
you know, but unfortunately that didn't happen. I mean, right. and, uh, you know, and at that point in time, I was really stuck out in the middle of a creek without a paddle. And, and uh, thankfully, I had a guidance counselor that uh, said, Sid, what, what if professional ball doesn't happen? What are you going to mm. do? And, and uh, really had no aspirations for college. I mean, I was the first one in my family to, to go to college. Wow. Um, but uh, when he posed that question to me, I at least went out and took my AC, SATs and, you know, and, and uh, got that taken care of. And, and I'm, you know, fortunately, not unfortunately, like you said, I, I wasn't drafted after my high school year. And, uh, and then Temple, Temple University and, and Liberty Baptist College gave me the opportunity to come down on a full ride. Temple was only tuition and books. Liberty mm. was uh, everything. Yeah. And coming from a family that uh, couldn't afford college, uh, you know, I, cho I chose the, the route to go to Liberty Baptist College. And as much as I didn't want to do it, uh, it was the best thing that probably could have ever happened to me. Yeah. And, and I think that's something as, you know, as students are listening to really think about, you know, you had two great offers on the table and, you know, you made the decision financially that was best for your family, but you actually ended up having an amazing collegiate career at Liberty. I did. I mean, and, and, you know, some for, you know, the young people to be thinking about as well, you know, in, in NCAA division one baseball, you only, they only get 11.7 scholarships. That's right. That's right. You know, I mean, and, and you, you know, the inner city, you know, kids that are so many great athletes in there. What, what would you rather go for a, a basketball scholarship that you're going to get a full scholarship, mm -hmm. a football scholarship that you're going to generally get a full scholarship. That's right. Or a, a baseball scholarship that you might get a half a scholarship. Most of them are a quarter of a scholarship. And, and, and I, I do think that it's, it's wrong mm -hmm. uh, for NCAA to, to really hammer baseball in that way. Uh, I do believe that they need to up the uh, scholarship offers for baseball. And you would see a lot more of the, the inner city athletes and so on and so forth going for that opportunity. But, uh, but just, you know, again, going back to what I originally started to say, recognize that, you know, NAIA baseball, they can give out a lot of full scholarships. Division right. two and division three can give out a lot of academics scholarships that will take mm -hmm. care of your needs a little bit more. Yeah. So, and, and there's some great baseball in, in each one of those. Yeah, so for you sure. you don't really need to, you know, say to yourself, man, I'm going to, I'm going to go to, uh, you know, a division one school. Yes. It sounds great on the resume, but uh, as far as financially is concerned, I mean, you're probably still going to have to be paying quite a bit of money at the end of your mm -hmm. time with NCAA baseball. Oh, that's 100% true. And, you know, there are only what we call headcount sports. There are only six headcount sports in Division One, and that's women's basketball, men's basketball, women's tennis, mm -hmm. women's gymnastics, men's football, and women's volleyball. So of those six, those are what we call headcount sports, you know, full rides or your walk-on, where all the other sports in the Division One were saying that this is, you know, there are a lot of amount of scholarships and those kids, you know, really have to kind of think about what is this going to look like. And, and it's also part of the parents, too, having those conversations with the student and saying, you know, what's going to be long-term the best for us? Yeah, and, and again, you know, the student at that point in time, you know, if he, if he does have some talent, mm -hmm. you know, everybody's sitting and telling him, you got to go here, you got to go there, you know, and so on and so forth. But 
and and so their head gets a little bit big, thinking, man, I'm I'm good enough to go there. And uh, they really they really need to sit down and have some great conversations with uh, their parents, the parents, you know, individuals like yourself, yeah. to be able to uh, you know guide them and direct them of what's probably the best thing for their their future in baseball and in academics. Yeah. And I think that, and I think a lot of times, you know, like you're saying, the students really start to think about, oh, this dream and they're starting to really picture, oh, what is, what could happen? But, you know, sometimes we have to think about what happens after college. What does, what does that look like? You know, you're only at this institution for four, maybe five years, but what's the end goal after that? Yeah. I mean, and again, you know, they're going into just like I did. I went into college thinking professional baseball. Yep. I was advancing my career and so on and so forth. And that's that's another aspect to be thinking about. A lot of you know, most of these kids in their home areas, they are the chosen one. They are the the God's gift to mankind. But they soon find out when they go to these different schools that the all stars are all coming to the top, that's and they right. go there now, and that's that shortstop you know, that they're competing against is just as good or better than them. And so, you know, they go there with this, you know, big old head thinking, man, I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. But uh, they, they soon find out that, I mean, there's a lot of individuals in college that uh, can play better or, you know, just as good or better than they are. And they really have to up their game. Oh, that's so true. And I think that's, you know, we talk a lot about here on the podcast of all the different aspects of a student athlete. You know, it's not just that athletic ability, but it's, you know, your academics, it's your nutrition, it's your mindset, your strength and conditioning. There's all these things that go into play. And, you know, if that other student is taking care of all those things, but you're letting some of them slide, then that's where, you know, the rubber meets the road. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, you know, there obviously is the God-given talent. I mean, Mm -hmm, sure. You know, I've seen in my professional days, I've seen a lot of great God-given talent that was so much better than most of but they didn't want to work at it anymore. Mm. And so they soon fell, fell back to the pack. And, and uh, you know, you, you constantly have to work, as you said, on the athletic part of it, the nutrition, the academic aspect of it all. Because, you know, even even if you don't, if, if you do get drafted, your chance of making it to the big leagues at that point in time is still down around the five to 10%, unless you're one of the top picks in the country. Right. I mean, and then you, you know, you might have a 50% chance, a 60% chance to get to the big league. What are you going to do? I mean, whenever, you know, they give you the pink slip to go home, what are you going to do if you don't really don't take care of your, your, uh, you know, your academic or your future as far as outside of the game of baseball? Oh, that's so true. And, and, you know, I think that just really goes back to saying, okay, there's all these things that can happen, including injuries. And Absolutely. you, you had your share of injuries all the way through your career. Absolutely. I, I mean, again, I, it started, it really started back when I was a 10th between 10th and 11th grade, when a guy ran me over at first base. And back then the trainer shook your knee a little bit and oh, you just strained it. But I found out in 1987 when I hit the base on the first base that I, I never, ever had an ACL on my left, left knee. And, uh, you know, it adapted over time. And, and, uh, and then in 1989, I had the, the other right knee go out on me. And, and, uh, you know, from that point on, it really took me away from the kind of baseball that I wanted to play. But, um, but still, thankfully I was able to play another three or four or five years after that. And, and uh, you know, do some pretty neat things. 
Um, and I want us to address one of the neatest things I think that you got to be a part of. And, you know, for those listening, if, if they don't know, you know, we, we have a phrase where in South Georgia, where were you when Sid slid? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, that was on billboards. I mean, that was all over the place. Where were you when Sid slid? And, and, uh, and over the years, I mean, I've heard a lot of people's stories about where they were when they, and, and what they did whenever I slid home and, and, it, and, you know, to, for up here, I live in Pittsburgh right now, and for up here, it was a ghost town. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, but you know, a bunch of zombies walking around. But you know, for uh, for the people there in the Georgia area, the Atlanta Braves fans, I mean, it was celebration time. I mean, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So walk me through that moment. You know, I've I watched it happen. I've watched replays of it. But for you, you know, we talk about these injuries, and we talk about the recovery time you know, you were not exactly the fastest player on the team to be in this situation. Not at that time, for sure. I mean, I, I had just had uh, three knee surgeries on my knee in 1989. Still coming back from that, I, I messed up a lot of the meniscus in my right knee. Mm. And, uh, you know, so that that caused instability. So I, I was wearing a big brace. I wasn't I wasn't fast by any means. I mean, I but before that, before my knee surgeries, I mean, I for a big guy, I mean, I ran pretty well. Yeah. Uh, but um, you know, and a lot of people will tell you, I mean, the way that he that night went, uh, I was on second base, should have been on second base. Bobby Cox should have had a pinch runner out there for me. But uh, I think God uh, allowed me to be out mm -hmm. at second base. I mean, just for what He planned after yeah. that play, and. Uh, you know, Francis Cabrera got the great hit with two outs, and and I came home, and I was slow enough just to make it exciting. That's what I <laughs> tell people. Well, and, you know, as you – and I, I've read some things about that incident, too, about, you know, how you were thinking, I wasn't told to stop at third base. I don't even know. I, <laughs> I don't know if I was or not. I mean, to this day, I mean, you know, I Jimmy Williams, I don't know if he had his arm going or not, uh, but – in the game of baseball, you always, you always recognize you put the pressure on the defense. I mean, mm -hmm. for me to stop at third base and expect another somebody to get a hit or a walk to bring me in is, is not easy. You're going against the closer. That's right. Uh, so you always put pressure on the defense and, and with two outs, I didn't have to worry about where the ball was hit. Uh, I could go as soon as the ball was hit. And, and plus I got a better lead at second base and, and even with all that, I mean, I, I barely made it home. So, I mean, uh, but it was it was an exciting play, still considered in the top five, if not, or top 10, if not the top five. It used to be the top four mm -hmm. uh, most exciting plays in Major League Baseball history. And and uh, but God has used it yeah. and it's been a great thing to see what God has done with it. Which I think is so, you know, something our students, I love for our students to think about is, you know, how are you being used in those moments? You know, there, there are fans, there are family members, there's everybody watching you. And it's really and truly how you carry yourself after those moments. Absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's to, to stay, stay humble in situations to, uh, you know, not think of yourself as being something great and, and just giving credit to your teammates, giving credit to the, you know, those around you, uh, giving credit to the Lord mm -hmm. uh, for the talent that he's given you. I mean, that's, that's what really needs to happen. I mean, not being self-centered and, 
you know, cocky and so on and so forth. I mean, just recognize, and even your parents, yeah. you know, your parents for all that they put up with, all that they did <laughs> for you in order to, to get you to the place that you're at right then and there. I mean, uh, man, the parents, I mean, got to give it, be given a lot of thanks and praise for uh, putting up with all the junk, yeah. uh, you know, and all the money. I mean, well, I mean, again, I think, Sarah, you know, I mean, shoot with the travel baseball and so on and so forth. I mean, parents can spend five, six thousand dollars a year on their kids. They could have easily put that money away in an education fund and, and had your school paid for. It. But, uh, you know, they traveled around because they loved seeing you do what you were doing. But you, you really got to give thanks to them for what they've done. Yeah, I love that so much, you know, because I think a lot of times we get lost in just everything that's happening, all the exciting things. But when we actually take a step back and look at it and say, okay, here's what I'm grateful for, because mm -hmm. having that attitude of gratitude is really what helps you kind of still move forward and being appreciative of your teammates and everything that goes into that is such a big part of being a student athlete. Absolutely. I mean, you know, again, no running back, I mean, gets a thousand yard season without the front line. You know, the quarterback doesn't get, uh, you know, throw passes without the front line and his receivers. I mean, you know, the only the only one that you would say is golf. I mean, that you could uh, say, hey, this is an individual sport. But even then you have team sports and, you know, but it's it's it's, uh, you know, you always got to give thanks to your your teammates for, you know, being there for you, keeping you up when you get down and, and uh, keep you moving forward. Yeah. And, you know, I shared that, you know, the name of this podcast is called Confessions of the Sidelines. And uh, what I love about that is when we're having these conversations, I always love for people to think back and, and realize like, what is their favorite memory of standing on the sidelines? So I would love to ask you, when you think back, what's your favorite memory? Well, you know, I, I think the my favorite memory in that regard, sir, is actually when I played with Houston Astros in 1994, and uh, I didn't start because I had a great first baseman playing in front of me and Jeff Bagwell. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I had a chance that year to sit on the bench with Andy Stankiewicz. Oh, I mean, yeah. it, it was kind of like a Mutt and Jeff thing. I mean, here I am this tall and he's this tall. And, but, I mean, literally him and, him and Kevin Bass and I would sit on the bench and uh, we would have some of the greatest conversations with, as far as the Lord's concerned. And uh, it was it was truly the best year baseball wise of just growing spiritually, thinking about, uh, you know, my two friends and, and all that we were able to accomplish that way. Oh, that's that is just like the neatest thing to be able to build that camaraderie and have those really deep conversations and really grow as a person. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, that's again, as I, 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 I am, I chaplain right now for a trucking company here pgt trucking i mean and every week i mean i go down there and i challenge the, the new drivers that are coming in and i you know i, I said are oh, you a man of integrity could i shake your hand mm -hmm. could i shake your hand in, in a contract and not have to worry about having documents all over place and and you'll get the job done for me that's that to me is a, a true aspect of integrity and, uh, you know, so I'm, I make them think, I mean, you know, and, and uh, but uh, that's that's what it's all about. Yeah. And I think as our student athletes are going through this process and thinking about, I'm going to take my game to the next level, you know, having that in the back of their mind is like, is am I showing integrity in all of these moments? Am I well, representing like who I am and what I stand for? Sarah, just understand this. I mean, you know, there's a lot of scouts out there 
that if they see an arrogance or a cockiness or, you know, something to, to, uh, that they think, man, this kid's uncoachable. He, he, you know, he just thinks too much of himself. They'll cross them right off the list, no matter how good they are. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, you, you need to be a team player in order to play at least college sports. I mean, professional sports in baseball is, is truly getting away from the team aspect. I mean, you got to hit home runs. You know, you don't worry about getting the guy over from second base anymore to third base with no outs. You know, it's it's all about getting your hits, getting your RBIs, hitting your home runs, you know. And uh, but but in every as- other aspect of the game of baseball, it's all about team. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no and as you know, the old saying, I mean, there's no I in team. Yeah, uh, it's, it's always thinking about your your teammates and and how you can lift them up when they're down. And, uh, you know, how they can lift you up when you're down as well. And, and, and you just work together in order to come up with that W at the end of the day. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's such a great wisdom. And I think, you know, for parents listening, you know, just to continue to remind your student athletes about that as they're traveling and they have college coaches and even college or, you know, professional scouts looking out for them. Absolutely, Sarah. Yeah. Well, Sid, we, I so appreciate you being here, sharing, us having conversation. It takes me back to, you know, growing up days. So I really do appreciate that. And um, if anybody wants to be able to find you or connect with you, I know you have a website out there. It's called SidBring.com. I mean, uh, you know, nothing, nothing fancy. I mean, I do go out and do quite a bit of speaking. And so that's an opportunity for you to come on there and, and, uh, you know, see see what it would take for me to come down and speak to your church, your, your corporation, you know, your youth baseball group or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you can get on that and, and I will be able to uh, I will get back with you through email and uh, we'll be able to get things taken care of. That sounds great. Well, we'll be sure to link that website in our show notes if you guys want to reach out to Sid and have them come and speak to your team. Again, Sid, I am so thankful that we were able to have this conversation today. Sarah, nice talking to you. Nice meeting you and all the very best to you. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. So the big question after that episode for everyone is where were you when Sid slid? Head on over to our Instagram page at Sideline Confessions and leave us a comment on today's post. Don't forget to share the show with your favorite student athlete. And as always, I'll be cheering you on from the sidelines.